Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guest. Greetings and welcome along to the 126th episode of the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This week I'm actually overseas on holiday, uh, but before heading away I had a chance to record a chat with Stephen Crombie, who is the Chief Information Officer at the New Zealand Police. Now, he's been in that role as CIO since July 2012. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak with him following his recent speech at the Telecommunications Forum's Mindstorm Conference. So let's jump in. I'm with Stephen Crombie. Tell me a little bit about what you shared at the, uh, at the event. Well, I'm um, Chief Information Officer for the New Zealand Police, which may not be thought of in terms of uh, innovation as or come to the mind of people when we think think about innovation, but I shared the innovative work we're doing around mobility and uh, how it links to the prevention of crashes and crime. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it was certainly a story when it when it came out that uh, you know you were you were moving a lot of mobile devices into uh, into the police workforce. Um, I think it was quite a surprise to, to many, me included. Um, I've, I've, I guess I've been uh, in past years. I've I've been through. Uh, I had a friend that works in the uh, serious crash unit. Actually, and take me through and, and you know show me a little bit of the space where they where they work and and some of the technology and so on. And, and certainly at that point, um, I had a little bit of the picture of the police being somewhat backward with, uh, with 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 technology. Tell us about you know what you're doing in the mobile space. Well, with, we believe we're leading the world in the deployment of devices to offices. I mean, mobile. Data mobile services have been around in policing for twenty to thirty years. That's you know, officers being able to do um, person checks and vehicle checks on the move. But it's been very much vehicle based, and and what we have done is is developed a way of operating and a set of technology that is very much around the individual officer. So at the moment we're we're deploying uh, we're in the process of deploying ten thousand devices to six and a half thousand officers, um, iPads and iPhones, and on those devices we've got uh, well three major applications. One is uh, email, as you'd expect. Corporate email on the move is is, is something that um, is very useful to officers, but also but mainly um, applications that allow officers to query people, vehicles, and locations. Uh, and another application, which is Mobile Responder, which enable them to see the walk jobs that are actually coming to them um, from the communication centres and from a number of district command centres, which are also setting up at the moment. So we've designed the applications, we've tested it over 12 months, we know they work and we know that um, the productivity benefits are huge. And, uh, for example, the current... Applications provide benefits of uh, half an hour per shift per day per officer, which equates to about half a million hours saved per year. And what we're doing is we're putting that uh, into prevention so that um, it's part of the move for prevention first, so we're trying to stop crime and crashes happening before they happen. That's good. Um, then uh, we can reinvest the time away from non-productive activity into productive activity, which is prevention. That's fantastic. Now, as, as well as uh, obviously bringing that, that increase in, in productivity, are there other things that you're noticing in terms of outcomes that this technology you know, delivers other than you know, free, freeing up some, some time? Is there anything that sort of uh, you know, stood out for you, having that you know, more ready uh, access to the information? Yeah, I relate some um, anecdotes at the conference um, where officers are already feeding back to us where 
they've used the device for the first time and actually been able to apprehend people who um, who are wanted uh, to are known and wanted by police. We've also seen where um, false identities are given. We can immediately verify if it's the right identity or not, um, or if the person's known to us, or and that, that means that we can much more quickly deal with the person um, and uh, deal with the situation. So it's a it's a, a great benefit. I think that, I think the officers the main the main overriding benefit for this is the officers don't have to return back to the station as often, and a lot of the applications that we're starting to build will will really deal with that issue. So it keeps them out there productive and uh, in front of the community. That's that's fantastic. Are there any downsides that you're seeing for the for the uh, you know technology? The benefits of them coming sort of back to base and reconnecting with others, or you know other other things that you've uh, you've noticed that you have to sort of maybe um, you know account for in another way. Well, we we ran a trial for twelve months, and we covered, and the trial was run in four different areas, including the west coast, New Zealand, Hawke's Bay, Lower Hutt, and Wellington, and also Auckland. So we got a fair spread of officer situations. We we didn't really find any downside, and in fact, you know, the, it, once the officers got used to the technology, it take, doesn't take too long because of the intuitive nature in which the applications are built as well as the iPhone technology, then um, we didn't really see any downside. Um, we are operating a, um online model, so we're not storing any data on the devices themselves. So we're expecting to see um, when officers get used to the technology, then they might get a bit frustrated with coverage because, of course, coverage is not everywhere in all, every, in all places. So, um, But I think, I think the, certainly the benefits far outweigh any, any disadvantage. That's great. And are there, you know, security, uh, you know, concerns with, uh, you know, with these devices? Or they lock themselves down pretty quick, and they're, they're you know, um, you know, pretty secure. Yeah, security has been probably our number one concern um, to make sure that the devices um, wouldn't wouldn't. Uh, Pose a threat to the public, or um, in terms of leaking of uh, you know of disclosure of information, private information, and of course, a lot of the information is sensitive. So, uh, we we developed a security model that is multiple layered. So it involves, of course, that these officer is- devices are issued individually to police officers. They've got to look after them, mm. um, and they do. Um, they there is a passcode on the device which you'd expect a complex password then there is multiple layers of security underneath that just to ensure that um, that uh, only authorised people can get access to the information now in the circumstance where the device is uh, lost or stolen it can be immediately turned off or if, uh, if, for example, we detect any strange um, behaviour related to the device that can be turned off um, at the moment, we we don't have any consumer applications on the device. Um, we're just ensuring that the basic police applications are better first. Then we've got a process for enabling consumer applications. But the device will detect if a consumer application is downloaded and then uh, warn the person that uh, the device uh, will be switched off. And it's not if it's not removed, it'll be switched off. So we've got high degrees of monitoring across across the across the device and of course the government has been very interested and concerned that we had an appropriate security model across that so we've been working with uh, the security agencies and others just to make sure that uh, the risk is minimised. 
Yeah, I guess I mean that's always the, ch- the challenge where you've got this uh, you know this portal into a, you know, a, a huge database of information. Uh, I mean, what about a situation? Um, and maybe this sort of thing, you, know, you, you hope would never happen. But uh, you know, somebody really is trying to uh, uh, you know get access to um, you know information that sits in your database, whether it's about you know probably about people and and so on. Um, whether they were to uh, you know capture a, a police officer and you know demand that they access you know information, or is this something that could have already happened in years gone by? I guess with getting somebody on the radio to call up for stuff, or with with the um, you know terminals that have been in vehicles anyway. Yeah, I think I think the situation, that type of situation, which is probably right on the edge of the circumstances and risks that we face, right. um, because you're actually dealing with a, 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 a police officer, um, then. Uh, but the way we've designed the applications and the services is that the device can only do certain things. So it's not an open portal into our uh, intelligence database, for example. And is that dependent on the role of of the user? That's right. And and all the officers are trained in how to use the device. And, um, of course, back at the IT system, back at the station, they can get access to this type of information anyway. So we've got extensive amount of controls to make sure that only authorised people access the right information for the right purpose, and that's regularly monitored. And with the mobile device, as I said, the application limits the queries that can be done to a certain set that's very applicable to the officer on the move. Mm. And then... um, and then any other behaviour outside of that, we believe we can pick up relatively quickly. That's great. That's fantastic. So, what other things are going on within, um, you know, within police that are that are interesting? Is this sort of the, the been the standout sort of work over the last couple of years? Um, well, th- I think, I th- well, I know police police have really focused on the prevention first model, and through a program called Policing Excellence, have uh, implemented a number of innovations. Um, um, alternative resolutions to to um, ensure that uh, people people don't go into the uh, criminal justice system unnecessarily. Um, we've set up um, crime reporting line, which is uh, rather than calling one 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 or going to the police station, you can report um, minor crime generally or non time critical crime into the crime reporting line, mm. and the details can be immediately taken and entered into the system. So that's huge productivity gains for police, but also a much better service for for citizens. Um, we're we're in the process now of rolling out um, district command centres, and that that's really using the predictive information we have, plus the what we call actual strength information, what resources we have, and providing them to um, to district commanders so they can more effectively use their resources. I think overriding all of this is a real strong drive for using information more effectively because um, we've got significant amounts of information, as you can imagine, over quite a long period. So we can use that information and process it and really understand what's the probability of crime or crashes occurring in a, diff- in a certain location and where, where, who's likely to cause it and how, how, what's the most appropriate way of dealing with it or preventing with it. I think that's the bigger revolution that's overarching all of the individual projects that we've, we've got going on at the moment. So you really are able to sort of Start leveraging the you know the big data as it as it were to um, you know to, to to do some predictions. 
Yes, that's right. I mean, and of course, data appropriately because we've got to obviously use the data in a, in a way that's appropriate and for the purpose it's, it's there for. So, particularly um, data that um, tells us where, where where crime and crashes occur, um, and really be able to mine that over a long period of time. And so, we've established a deep analytical capability so we can understand that um, and use it appropriately. Mm. Now, people uh, love watching these sort of CSI-type shows and so on. How, how much of the things that we see in, in those shows is reality and how much of it is, is never going to come or is, you know, five or ten, you know, ten, ten years away? For instance, can, you, can, you, can an officer, you know, snap a picture of someone and then it goes back and goes through some sort of a, uh, um, you know, a, an, an analysis at the moment to, uh, you know, to see if that person's in the database? Is that a, a typical sort of thing? Well, I've never watched CSI, believe it or not, um, but um, I can imagine the sorts of things. Yes, I mean, all, all of that is now technically possible. So technically we could take a picture of somebody um, and um, send it down through the mobile network to to a database and, and compare and send acknowledgement back. Mm-hmm. I think that what we're very sensitive to, of course, is the legal framework in which we operate and privacy. Mm-hmm. Um so the technology's there. It's not. It's not so much technology. It's more about how we use it and uh, making sure that we're doing um, doing things that are appropriate to the framework in which we operate. Mm. Very important. Do you, Do you think the the laws, uh, you know, yeah, particularly here in New Zealand, are keeping up with what's happening in the in the technology? Uh, space because you know there are, there are there are new innovations coming through all the time and of course you know mostly we're we're dealing with legislation that's been in place for many years. I don't think policing is any different from any other enterprise. Really, is 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 the as we heard today, um, the inno- innovation and new ways of doing things and is changing business models and changing changing things. So. I think, I think, I think, of course, legal frameworks are constantly evolving um, for different circumstances, for um, different um, needs of the of the of the public, different ways of approaching things. So, um, I think, I think, we, we, you know, we we know, for example, now we can within the current legal framework do significantly good things for the New Zealand public, um, and you know, as the government and uh, the public. Um, um, you know, and technology and its application evolves further, then we will see no, no doubt a, a, an evolvement, an evolving landscape in the in the legislation space. Cool. Now, um, a, a, a topic that's um, often discussed, I guess, among, amongst our audience is uh, um, what happened around the Kim dot com situation. Um, is there a way that uh, you know? Technology could be uh, could be used to um, you know better to ensure that I guess uh, you know less sort of mistakes are made around uh, you know maybe understanding uh, the rules and so on that uh, that led to a you know whatever uh, um, you know lines were maybe stepped over in that situation. We probably can't comment on any specific case um, and don't want to draw anything. I say. Relative to to that particular situation, fair enough. But I think I think in general, very general terms, then um, of course what we're trying to do is provide all our officers in every single situation they're in information that enables them to do their job better. 
you know, say, you know, reduce their time, improve their safety, um, and also improve the public safety overall. And I think mobile technology is a huge contribution um, to that. I think um, because it basically enables all this, you know, very valuable information to be provided at the front line in real time. And I think. Uh, the contribution to public safety is is, is absolutely huge um, because the the time we save in terms of productivity can be returned as far as um, back into into prevention. So our officers have got more time to do preventative activities than just responding mm. to events. Mm. So that's where we see the the big benefit. Yeah, and do you have challenges dealing with all the all the data that's you know that's coming in? I mean, you know, in in past years you wouldn't have had to deal with you know digital video footage and you know digital audio recordings and, and so on and you know it's said that the amount of uh, the rate at which uh, you know the stored data uh, exists is you know is gro- continues to grow exponentially is that a big challenge for you know police as an organization that's spread out around the country you've got you know people in, in you know every every part of the country not necessarily uh, you know typical sort of infrastructure for a, for uh, an organization that, that that's spread out there are challenges there yeah I thought, I thought you've hit on a really key point and one we're, we're wrestling with at the moment because um, the amount of data that um, is currently being generated and of course will be generated by these devices um, we're not encouraging officers to um, take photographs or take videos of things um, but of course there may be some circumstances where they will um, and that will drive and has even now generating a massive amount of new data and of course it's unstructured rather than the structured data that really our systems uh, can cope with. So we've got a major piece of work now looking at uh, what we call our digital multimedia strategy mm. which is how do we actually cope with all this information um, and where do we store it and then of course some of the information is for evidentiary purposes and we've got a very clearly have a strong evidence trail um, on anything that's captured both by the public and um, and by um, by our officers so so that, that that's a big challenge and I think really challenges the architecture of of uh, our police ICT environment so for example currently we've got 360 police stations which have got their own server infrastructure yeah so at the moment we're moving all of our technology into a to a data centre, right. purpose-built data centre, mm-hmm. and then we're going to collapse the architecture so that all our equipment collapses back into effectively a private police cloud because that's the only way we can cope with the scale of data that's going to flow through. Mm. And ultimately, we do want, um, we can see applications where they're going to, um, you know, it could even be where we take witness statements that are entirely by video mm. um, and uh, authorised um, by the by the by witnesses and then put into the um, into the system, so those are massive changes to the amount of data that's uh, collected and managed. And of course, um, if it ends up in the court system, then it has to be um, has to have uh, traceability and, and be sure that it was the information collected for the right purpose and uh, authorised by the right person. So we see major changes ahead, and I suppose that's really the next two or three years' work is, is really around that area. I'd mm. say for for us in New Zealand, please. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it creates a great opportunity having those you know ten thousand mobile uh, you know devices out there in the, in the workforce. But uh, you know, making sure that 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 data gets where it, where it's meant to be, particularly if you you know you move to that uh, uh, situation where you don't necessarily have to you know maybe bring bring people back to a, a uh, um, you know a, a police station to make a witness statement and so on. If you can do that on the go, that's got to have a, a huge productivity benefit if that can fit within the realms of the rules and, and you can make that work absolutely um yep and we see we see just massive gains not just for officers but also the public and how they engage with police to make it a lot easier um when they're engaging with police i mean even even having every frontline officer with a mobile um with a with a dedicated phone number which they can use and pe- public can use to contact them particularly if they've got a particular case or situation they're involved in um, that's a huge benefit because currently they'd have to call the station or um call into voicemail and now now they can connect with the officer dealing with their case um, in real time and we're, we're really looking for further enhancements of that just to make it much easier for the public to, to deal with the New Zealand Police. Mm. That's great. And um, one one last area, um, you know, here in New Zealand, we've been, uh, you know, very much at the forefront of uh, within the police of rolling out uh, digital radio. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Where does that sort of fit in the picture now with other mobile devices and and so on? Because it used to be we could listen in on the on the uh, you know police mm. bands and hear what was going on, and now that's moved, uh, I believe, to a you know sort of encrypted uh, radios uh, with Tate Tate Electronics. Yes, well. Um Police has been leading a project called the Whole of Government Radio Network um, for a number of years, which is really exploring the potential of the um, emergency service agencies sharing one digital network. Um, And the government uh, made decisions earlier this year around that, which is that um, there is definitely intention for agencies to share the digital radio network. And um, the current digital radio network covers uh, about 50% of the population in relatively small geographical areas. It's just is it's Auckland, uh, Wellington right. and Christchurch. Yeah. Um, and the remainder of the network is, is analogue. But the interesting thing with um, our mobility programme is that the the, a, lot, a lot of what the radio has been used for is to do person queries, vehicle queries and um, location queries and now of course that can be done um, silently effectively, not on the radio but through the mobile devices so that really dramatically changes um, the mobile radio landscape and um, it means that um, we, we really see our police uh, and across all emergency services, see, see um, broadband data as really the dominant um, media for communication for our services going forward. And in your case, it would be much more in the direction of 4G and LTE rather than ultra-fast broadband, or is that important to you with connecting, uh, you know, connecting up with various police stations? Yeah, I think the ultra-fast broadband is also an important part of the puzzle because um, you know we need to get data back. Base, we need to connect effectively the police cloud together um, with um, a very, um, you know, geographically dispersed organisation. So that's going to be very important. But 4G um, is also exceptionally important um, in terms of the um, of the capability it provides us for our mobile devices. So we see all of the capability complementary. Okay. 
Oh, that's great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Let you get back to it. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for the questions. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for joining me on the New Zealand Tech podcast this week. We'll be back again, of course, next week with more discussion on the local and international technology landscape. In the meantime, you can connect with us online at nztechpodcast.com or via Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Paul Spain, on those same channels. All right. See ya. 